You're listening to the Fox Valley Voice. I'm Jaime Gutierrez. In this episode, we are addressing the realities of human trafficking right here in our community. As you'll hear, the estimated number of victims in the Chicagoland area may be somewhere between 16,000 and 24,000 victims each year. Sadly, we are not beyond the reach of labor and sex trafficking here in the Fox Valley. Some recent examples include prostitution arrests at massage parlors located in St. Charles and Batavia, This past February, there was a report that an Elgin family attempted to purchase a 14-year-old girl to use for sex. They tried to purchase her from a man in Dallas, but the Texas man and his wife drove all the way to Elgin to repossess the girl when only a portion of the $17,500 price tag was paid. And in 2013, arrests were made in Aurora, Elgin, and Naperville as part of Operation Cross Country, which was a nationwide crackdown on underage sex trafficking. So who is stepping up to assist these trafficking victims? What resources are available? And what can we do to help? Today we will hear from three advocates who will help answer these questions for us. My name is Karen Schultz, and it is my privilege to be the city director for Refuge for Women, which is a local aftercare and program residential home for women who have been sexually exploited and trafficked. And we are a national organization with homes around the country, and our home here in the Chicagoland area opened in November of 2016. And uh, the issue of sex trafficking is a difficult one. It's not an easy one to think about or listen to, but the reality is that in our Chicagoland area alone, uh, including our beautiful suburbs out here, there are 16 to 24,000 women and girls who are being trafficked and exploited each year. And years ago, it was that um, you would think of uh, prostitution or trafficking as happening in a specific geographic location, maybe those areas that uh, nice people didn't go to. But the reality is that traffickers and pimps and exploiters look for their victims now uh, through social media and on the internet. So it is not uh, contained by geography anymore, but that um, our girls are Uh, daughters, our granddaughters, our nieces, our neighbors, the kids in our Sunday school programs and our schools. These are the ones that are being targeted uh, by these exploiters. And um, it really is an issue that we all need to educate ourselves on so that we can protect the young people that are in our communities that we love so dearly. And truly, um, I can't uh, underscore this enough. No little girl ever, ever uh, grows up thinking that she wants to sell herself to make money. What may look like choice to you and I is never a choice, and something has happened along the way to draw uh, these girls and women uh, into the situations that they're in. We, our home, uh, can take um, six women at a time, and several of them were trafficked uh, as young girls, and so they grew up in that lifestyle, 
And the day they turned 18, uh, they became criminals. And it uh, is a very difficult uh, situation to get out of without help. The trauma is complex. The needs are holistic. It's not just um, physical needs. They come with uh, many, many health issues that we seek to address. The emotional needs are very complex. And there are legal needs as well. Many of them come without any identification at all because their traffickers take their identification. It's one way that they control them. They come with um, legal problems that their traffickers kind of foist upon them. Um, For example, a trafficker might take out credit cards in their name and run up lots of debt. And because the card is in their name, that debt follows them. And so if you think about trying to start over and get a bank account and clear out all that debt, it is insurmountable and it feels um, very hopeless. It's just one more level of hopelessness that is added to them. Sometimes there are criminal records that follow them. They've been arrested for prostitution and it's very hard to get a job when you um, have criminal records that follow you. So the legal needs are also very great on top of all of the other complex issues. Um, I I do want to just circle back to the point about uh, not just being in a geographic area anymore. The women that come to us cut across every socioeconomic background that you can imagine. Uh, There are women who have been trafficked on the North Shore, and there have been women uh, who have been trafficked uh, as a result of running away from a uh, dysfunctional home. We had one woman who was a very successful woman in the military, holding a very uh, prominent position, had an accident requiring some medical care, and that led to an opiate addiction, which then just spiraled her life out of control. She ended up on the street being controlled uh, by a violent trafficker, being arrested and ending up at refuge and graduating, and she's doing awesome right now. But I tell you that story because it is not just the typical type of story that you might think of a woman who um, ends up in the sex industry. Our refuge program is uh, set up into three phases, and the first phase uh, deals with focuses on healing, the second phase a little more on life skills, and the third phase is a transition phase. But a typical day for us, a woman has several classes that we run in the home, classes on what are safe relationships, boundaries, job skills, financial planning. Uh, Some of our women come to us having uh, never cooked a meal in their life. So we focus on nutrition and Um, grocery shopping and things like that. That's always a real fun one. Uh, We have a woman who, one of our volunteers who was a professional baker, an amazing baker, and she will come and bake a special cake for each woman uh, to celebrate milestones. Uh, If a woman has been uh, baptized, if she's been sober for a certain number of days, if she graduates through one of our phases, if she's just like doing really, really well, we love to celebrate and bring lots of joy into the home. We are not a clinical location. We are a ministry setting. So all of our clinical services, we contract out. So our women have counseling appointments that they go to. Uh, They participate in equine therapy. We do some art therapy. As I mentioned before, there are legal needs. So we uh, go to the experts in the area for that. But the days are very full. Their time with us, a nine to 12 month program is their job. Their job is to heal and start over and to enter that new beginning. Some of our residents have families that they reconnect with. 
Uh, some do not. And so if a woman is going to kind of start over all on her own, as you can imagine, that takes a little bit more time and planning, setting up bank accounts, saving up. They come with zero. They come with nothing. And so to start a life all over is hard work. And we are just so proud of our residents. They work so hard. And once they are in the refuge family, uh, they're part of the refuge family. Even when a woman graduates, we keep contact with them. We continue to support them with friendship networks and just to make sure they're doing okay. And it's just a, a beautiful, expanding family. Very, very blessed to be a part of it. So the women that Refuge for Women serves are um, all domestic uh, trafficking survivors. They may not necessarily come from the Chicagoland area. When a woman is trafficked and exploited, it is often best for her to leave the area that she has been trafficked in because the trauma bonds uh, between her and the traffickers can sometimes be a barrier to healing. So oftentimes uh, a woman that is either referred to us through law enforcement or outreach groups or sometimes on their own, they will find us. Um, we try to place them in one of our homes in one of the other states and then vice versa so that if a woman comes out of the Chicagoland area, she is served at one of our other homes. And then if a woman comes out of one of our the states from one of our other home areas, then they would come to us. Um, people often ask me how a woman is referred to Refuge for Women, and there are several avenues. There are several outreach groups, some in this uh, Chicagoland area, who do direct outreach to women who are being trafficked either through the spas or the strip clubs or uh, being bought and sold online. And so a woman sometimes is referred to Refuge through one of these outreach organizations. Sometimes law enforcement will contact us. There are some groups that go into the jail and specifically uh, seek to reach out to women who have been arrested on prostitution charges because they have been trafficked and exploited. And so we're seeking to offer them a new way to get out of jail and to start over. And so sometimes through law enforcement, sometimes a woman herself will be looking for help and will find us online and will reach out to us. There are also crisis organizations around the country where if law enforcement does a sting and breaks up a trafficking ring, then now they have women with nowhere to go. And so there are some homes that are 30-day crisis centers where a woman will go there and then we partner with those organizations and they will then refer women to Refuge for Women. And then there are also some organizations that work directly uh, in the jails uh, looking for women who have been arrested um, and then they seek to bring them to us through that process. My name is Kevin Drendel. I'm an attorney with an office in Batavia. I'm also on the board of Administer Justice. Administer Justice is a faith-based legal aid organization. The uh, main office is in Elgin, but Administer Justice serves the suburban Chicago area. There are clinics um, from north to south and east to west uh, that uh, serve clients who come in and uh, have legal needs, and those legal needs span the gamut of potential legal issues. Administer Justice focuses on people that, that don't have the uh, resources and the ability to pay for legal services, but they have very real legal needs, and it's a largely very underserved population because of the fact that they don't have the uh, financial wherewithal to get legal advice. 
Administer justice also focuses on human trafficking because that's one of the legal needs that uh, rise right here in our local area. And Administer Justice um, has had a long time focus on the issue of human trafficking, helping victims, uh, helping to educate the public. And the focus on human trafficking for Administer Justice is a growing area. Administer Justice just obtained a grant from a national organization to hire a full-time staff person to deal with nothing but human trafficking. And of course, we already have staff who are doing that, but the staff who focus on human trafficking right now before the hiring of this new person also had many other duties as well. So um, this grant will help administer justice to focus even more on the issue of human trafficking, uh, helping victims who have been trafficked with the legal needs that they have, because they usually do have a lot of legal needs. And that's one of the ways that traffickers keep their victims under their control is through these legal issues that arise as a result of the lifestyle they've been sucked into. So we are in the middle of the crisis and, and trying to help provide solutions. And, and because human trafficking is so pernicious, it's largely a hidden phenomenon. Most of us wouldn't recognize a trafficked victim if we saw one or recognize trafficking if we saw it. And um, because it is largely focused in its marketing, if you want to call it that, over the Internet and in places where a lot of respectable people wouldn't go, but frankly, a lot of respectable people do go because it's private and they can do it in their own homes, it's a difficult issue to get our hands around. Uh, local law enforcement don't readily recognize trafficking victims. Um, they look like prostitutes. They look like criminals to local law enforcement. So there's an educational component um, that Administer Justice tries to focus on, which is kind of bringing law enforcement along in terms of the education, getting law enforcement involved, the local state's attorney, uh, local police departments, the FBI, of course, uh, that is their focus. And, and trafficking does have an extra local component to it. Traffickers move their victims around which is another reason why it's such a, a problem and, and such a difficult thing to get our hands around is, is that victims are moved around a lot. So they may not remain local, but they're in and out. And you need to have kind of a, a quarterback. You, you need to have good communication, not just within your local community, but within the region and actually beyond that in order to, to deal with the issue of human tra trafficking because of the fact that it is so widely distributed and and hidden. Uh, it's kind of like that Netflix series where you had this kind of monster, this, this smoke monster that was kind of underground. What was it called? Stranger Things. And and it you know it its tentacles went far and wide, but it was largely underground. That that's human trafficking. We just had a volunteer appreciation breakfast about, uh, well, it was last month, and um, where we, we honor and recognize the volunteers and the great work that they do. And in 2017, Administer Justice volunteers logged over 9,700 hours. And, um, of course, we have our books audited every year. That translates into over a million dollars in value of, of volunteer time. So Administer Justice does a lot of work with a lot of people and helps a lot of people in our local area.
My name is Kimberly Fay. I'm a staff attorney with Administer Justice. I work primarily with Administer Justice's At Last program. At Last is an acronym. It stands for Attorneys Targeting Labor and Sex Trafficking. The program was developed originally in 2012 as a response to what we saw were the legal needs of human trafficking victims and having a desire to serve those needs in a format that was outside of of the city of Chicago. Certainly there's a need in Chicago, but Chicago tends to be better resourced than the suburbs. And so we developed this program to meet the needs of of the community kind of outside of the city. The program originally was developed to serve specifically trafficking victims. In 2014, I believe, it was expanded to include services for immigrant victims of crime and domestic violence. And in 2017, we expanded the program further to include immigrant children who have been victims of abuse, abandonment, or neglect. So it's a wide-ranging program now, but the focus of uh, the program originally and certainly our focus in this conversation today is with regard to human trafficking victims. Part of the the challenge of serving human trafficking victims is that they don't necessarily self-identify. Oftentimes, they don't realize that they've been victimized. They don't walk in our doors and and greet us as though they're human trafficking victims. Sometimes they present with a different legal issue, and so we need to be very focused and, and intentional about discerning the elements of trafficking that come up in their story. So in terms of the services that we provide, the partnerships that we have with organizations that are sort of doing the the boots-on-the-ground kind of work and doing the outreach and doing the work to seek out and rehabilitate these um, these people is really important for us then to be able to meet their legal needs um, because they don't just come in off the streets into our office. So we really depend in terms of this program on the referrals that we get from organizations uh, like Refuge for Women that are doing the work with the victims to sort of get them back into a more sort of quote-unquote normal life experience. Much of the work that we do in the program really has to do with education, and that comes in kind of various forms. Uh, We do a lot of work about educating the wider community, and in particular parents and children, about how to protect themselves from becoming trafficking victims. So we disseminate information um, at our various outreach events regarding um, internet safety as a primary kind of factor of how people, especially kind of nowadays, are getting involved with, with human trafficking. We also provide education to our partner organizations, and that can be in the form of training their staff. It can be in the form of providing education to kind of their clientele or their residents. Some of the legal needs that need to be addressed that kind of arise in this this community are having to do with identity theft or consumer issues such as um, consumer debt and collections, things like that. And so we are in the process of forming relationships with our partner organizations to provide education for their residents kind of as a part of the program that they're already in so that they are more empowered then to have a better understanding of how credit works and how to create a, a functional budget and set themselves up in a, in a more comprehensive way for then moving out kind of out of the residential context that they're in into an independent life. You know, sometimes you feel like you see a lot of pain and a lot of people who have been victimized and who have just been fed lies, truly, that have been made to believe that they are less than worthy, that have been made to believe that they don't have any hope, that there's no hope for them, 
And so seeing that in the aggregate and seeing it kind of in the big picture can can weigh on you. It can feel very um, <clears throat> very heavy, and and you you can sometimes come at it from a place of how am I ever going to make an impact? So that's that's a challenging component of the work for sure. But yeah, I mean, you just have to trust that that every interaction is sort of an act of planting a seed and and hope that it it grows from there even without necessarily your involvement. I, I've heard I've seen statistics that that something like one in three or maybe one in four runaways are approached by human traffickers. And often the approach, of course, with a runaway, they're they're kind of running away from authority. They maybe they're they're leaving an abusive home environment, abusive parents or or there's been tension and 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 they're and they're leaving and so there's a lot of angst and 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 you know teenage rebellion maybe that's going on and a trafficker will approach someone and give them what they're looking for which is some attention and some kind of affirmation and kind of feeding that that kind of desire to to run away from the safe place which is home and make them feel maybe special because they're giving them attention and then begin to turn that on them and they'll they'll buy things for them and and dote on them initially but before long it it turns into something else and of course these are vulnerable young people who don't have life experience and at some point it it turns completely and now they're controlled Uh um Mm. And that happens to people that are vulnerable. They're on the fringes in our community. They, they, like you said, they come from every socioeconomic strata, but there's a vulnerability there. And that's, that's who traffickers prey on, are people that have vulnerability. And, and as I read stories about people that have been trafficked, there's, there are some common themes. And, and one of those is, is, this, is a feeling of shame. And um, a feeling of of a, a lack of worth, you know, you you kind of start down that road, and um, you kind of you give up hope, and you 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 begin to feel like you can't go back. And what I think a lot of times law enforcement sees are people that have been so far down that road that they're just hardened, mm-hmm. and they 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 have adopted maybe a criminal mindset to a certain extent, but that but it isn't because they chose that life. It's because they they were vulnerable and they they were targeted, and they were brought along and groomed. I mean, that's uh-huh. actually a, you know that's what is going yeah. on here is that traffickers will groom their victims, and ultimately control them by the very shame that they feel, and by intimidation and and physical uh-huh. um, violence and threats and exploiting all the vulnerabilities that they have. And even uh, just being a teenager is a vulnerability because teenagers are just teenagers, right? We've all done risk-taking behaviors in our lives, going to parties you shouldn't go to, hanging out with people you shouldn't be hanging out with. It's just that the environment today is much more dangerous than Mm -hmm. um, it was years ago because our culture is so um, sexually charged and oriented, unfortunately, with the increase in pornography and what goes on with social media, that it is uh, just being a teenager from any home is a huge vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And as you said, grooming 
is it's also called the game in the world of traffickers. And a trafficker will spend months grooming someone, buying a young girl thing, showering her with attention, and everything seems beautiful and we're going to have this life together. And then the tables turn and it becomes very dark. And uh, videos are taken, uh, videos are posted online, and one of the methods of threat and coercion is if you don't keep doing this, I'm going to show it to your family. I'm going to show it to your church. I'm going to show it to your school. And a teenager does not have the mental reasoning wherewithal to get out. And they get sucked in, and then the shame builds, and then that is used against them, and it becomes just a dark hole that is so hard to get out of without intervention from people on the outside mm-hmm. coming in. And of course, we're talking about this in the context of sex trafficking, which I think when you talk about human trafficking in general mm-hmm. is what most immediately comes to mind. That's the thing that most people think of. That's the thing that we spend the most time talking about. But in terms of Administer Justice's program, the At Last program, there's the labor trafficking component mm-hmm. as well that I think is sort of all the more hidden um, and not necessarily as publicized as as the sex trafficking is. And in terms of what labor trafficking looks like then, in, in many ways, it's happening in industries where we're not necessarily paying attention. You know, certainly in the agricultural industry, in the janitorial industry, in the industry of domestic workers, you know, nannies or or housekeepers, things like that. People that are doing services that we kind of don't want to pay attention to that we sort of take for granted things that just happen. You know, the grapes end up in the grocery store, but we don't necessarily think about how they got there or who it was that was involved in in bringing them so that we would have access. So I just wanted to insert that mm-hmm. as sort of like the other aspect. Certainly, it's easy to talk about sex trafficking. Well, it's not easy necessarily, but that's what most frequently comes to mind. But the labor trafficking is an equally pervasive problem. That we have, and it and it is too. It's in our neighborhoods just as much as the sex trafficking is. You know, sort of the stereotypical scenario is you know an upper class home that employs a, a housekeeper or a nanny, and that person may or may not even be from from a different country or a different part of this country. Um, and that's something I'd wanted to address as well. That the element of trafficking doesn't necessarily have to involve a transportation component. And I think that's one of the the common sort of misconceptions that people have. And staying in that in that misconception makes it easy to ignore what's going on in our communities. Okay. Thinking about, you know, all these trafficking only happens in Thailand and in Indonesia. It happens in these, you know, far flung places that are so far removed from from where I am that, you know, sure that's a thing, but it's over there. But that's actually not at all a part of what the definition of trafficking really entails, that the focus of trafficking is really on the coercion piece and sort of being forced to do something that you don't want to do. And certainly that can be in the context of sex, but definitely in the context of labor as well, being forced to do a task that that you didn't necessarily want to do. It's easy to look at, at something like human trafficking once you begin to learn about it and think that it's a problem that's so big that um, there's nothing I can do to do anything about it. But that's not accurate at all. Um, there are organizations out there. They all need funding. And it's also important just to get the word out because it is so hidden. It's so easy to go about our daily lives and and not ever think about the fact that, that this is going on in our communities. 
So just being sensitive to the fact that it does go on in our community communities, having some awareness is helpful. I mean, you, you might be able even to spot a trafficking victim at the local grocery store. Just being aware, just having some knowledge, just being sensitive to the fact that it goes on, um, you may be in a position to do something about it, to help a victim. But if nothing else, all of these organizations need funding. The combination of funding and education is something that everybody can be involved with. I think a lot of times when people think about human trafficking, the the thing that most readily comes to mind is the sort of psychological support that victims have. I mean, you think about the trauma that they've been through and potentially even the trauma that they dealt with prior to being trafficked that may have led them then to be involved in in a situation of human trafficking. That's probably the most common need that comes to mind in thinking about the the needs that victims have is dealing with the trauma piece and sort of rehabilitating them from a psychological standpoint. But I think many people would be surprised to know of the legal needs that these these survivors have. In many cases, their traffickers will, as, as a means of exerting control, will take their identification. And so when they escape their human trafficking situation, they don't have their driver's license anymore. They don't have their social security card anymore. And so to get those things back can be its own kind of administrative nightmare. And so they really need for somebody to walk alongside them in that, somebody who understands that administrative process to be able to help them in just doing something basic, like getting their driver's license again. One of the things that Administer Justice through our At Last program helps with in the human trafficking context, especially, is name changes. And certainly you can understand from a safety standpoint why that might be beneficial for somebody who's been trafficked and is looking to leave that circumstance and move on into their own independent life to get a new name, to get a different sort of identity that would protect them then from the reach of their trafficker. Additionally, we offer civil legal services uh, support for human trafficking victims, and that really spans the gamut, even into areas that you may not think would be applicable, sort of related to what I'd mentioned about how the trafficker can take victims' IDs. Potentially, the trafficker can also open up credit card accounts or purchase vehicles or do all sorts of sort of consumer things in the name of of their victim. And so the victim then leaves that situation with heavy debts and other sorts of consumer concerns. And so administer justice would step in and represent them in in that context to be able to clear that up and and help them be better suited then for living independently outside of the trafficking context. Even occasionally there's family law concerns that can arise if a person has been forced to have sex with their trafficker. Maybe they have a child that's arisen out of that relationship and now is seeking child support or is seeking um, sole parental responsibility for that child as a safety kind of mechanism. And certainly orders of protection are probably what most readily comes to mind in that context, just creating safety um, for the survivor and for that person's family as well. So those are some of the things that Administer Justice through our At Last program helps victims with that maybe don't come to mind as immediately as some of the other more apparent needs that a victim might have. One of the biggest questions that that we get at Administer Justice is sort of how can I help? This is an issue that that really pulls at a lot of people's heartstrings in terms of recognizing the exploitation that's inherent in human trafficking and recognizing that all people have dignity 
and that if they're in a trafficking context, that dignity is not being recognized or valued in any way. So there's a lot of interest, especially lately, as as these issues are becoming more publicized, about uh, wanting to be involved. How can I help these victims? And from my perspective, certainly the the best way to begin to get involved or be, begin to understand sort of how how to impact this issue effectively is to educate yourself. We we've been having this conversation and and the issues that come up in the context of human trafficking are very complex. There's a lot of different layers. We're dealing with different types of people who get involved in human trafficking, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different demographics just generally. So there is no one-size-fits-all victim. There's no really typical victim that needs help. And so to really educate yourself about the issue is probably the most important thing, the most effective thing that anybody could do as far as trying to make an impact in human trafficking. And so to that end, Administer Justice is hosting an event on June 21st from 6.15 to 8.15 p.m. at the Copley Theater right here in Aurora. And we're going to be providing education for the community. We have several high-profile speakers, including Vic Lombardo, who is a um, an FBI agent who is, has over 19 years of experience in working with human trafficking, as well as Joe McMahon, who's the Kane County State's Attorney, who's been involved most recently in bringing some local trafficking cases to sentencing. And I myself as well will be there speaking about administer justice and the role that we play through our At Last program in uh, providing for the legal needs of these trafficking victims. So that's a really great way to start to educate yourself and to better understand the issue and the way that it plays out on a national level and certainly on a local level in particular. And this event is, in addition to providing education for the community, it's also a fundraiser. And that's another great way to get involved just sort of across the board is to find a reputable organization such as Administer Justice who um, is doing work with these victims and really needs the financial support to be able to continue the work that we're doing. Many thanks to Karen Schultz, Kevin Drendel, and Kimberly Fay for accepting the challenge of assisting the victims of sex and labor trafficking in the Fox Valley. For links to their websites and the Justice at Last event, check out the show notes on our website, foxvalleyvoice.com. You'll find previous episodes of this podcast and other podcasts as well. Music in this episode was written and performed by James Cardis. The closing song is called Justice Sees by Abby Newell. It's a song about human trafficking, and we thank Abby very much for allowing us to use it. I'm Jaime Gutierrez. Thanks for listening to the Fox Valley Voice.
This episode is sponsored by Drendel and Jansen's Law Group. Talk to them about estate planning because you need a will. At least you do if you have loved ones like a spouse or children. Are you selling or buying a house? Talk to them about real estate law. Do you have a business? You want to protect that business? Then you need to talk to them about business and corporate law. Basically, for all of your legal needs, please talk to our friends at Drendel and Jansen's Law Group. You can reach them at 630-406-5440 or visit them on the web at batavialaw.com. Thank you.